0: Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15-20 to minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Monday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, Literally Heather. The House on Friday passed a stopgap funding measure to keep the federal government open until at least mid-December, so that all the people who will be losing their jobs post-November election will get one more shot to pass another frivolous bunch of bullshit before they're replaced. The measure was approved by a 232 to 193 margin, with a majority Democratic vote. The approval came a day after the Senate passed the same resolution in a down-to-the-wire vote. President Joe Biden signed it into law on Friday. If the resolution had not been passed, the government would have to shut down due to Friday evening's deadline for approval for the upcoming federal budget. and That would have just been tragic, wouldn't it? Funding in the resolution includes approximately $12 billion in emergency aid for Ukraine. $18.8 billion for the FEMA Disaster Relief Fund, and $1 billion for heating and utility assistance. The bill, which will fund the government until December 16th, needed to pass before negotiations for the final 2023 budget could continue. Quote, while I'm disappointed that we could not complete full appropriations this month, I'm glad we were able to include key funding provisions in this continuing resolution that address address critical needs. What critical needs? Ukraine's critical needs? The resolution had stalled in Congress until Thursday due to objections by Republicans and progressive Democrats over language that, if approved, would have sped up the federal process for issuing permits for big energy projects, including pipelines and electrical lines. The bill moved forward after Chuck Schumer agreed to strike the language. I'm actually kind of confused by this. Isn't speeding up federal approval process for permit issuance a good thing? Like, hand these bad boys out like candy and move us into a mass production country again. Again, what do I know? Uh, Coinbase has temporarily halted transactions from U.S. customers, according to a status update made by the crypto exchange yesterday morning at 7.57 a.m., The bug restricts U.S. bank accounts from making withdrawals, deposits, or buys on the platform. Quote, we're currently unable to take payments or make withdrawals involving U.S. bank accounts. Coinbase said in the statement, our team is aware of this issue and is working on getting everything back to normal as soon as possible. Coinbase released two subsequent updates that the issue was being investigated an hour after the first notice. At 8.23, the exchange said, issue with transactions has been identified and a fix is being implemented. Customers can still use debit cards or PayPal to buy crypto during the downtime, according to the statement. Coinbase did not respond to this article's request for comment, but the issue was not the only problem in the broader crypto ecosystem. Solana suffered what is called a major outage, That lasted more than six hours, according to its website. It's my understanding that trading, buying, and storing your crypto on a non-KYC exchange is the way to avoid problems like this. I don't know. I'm not a crypto bro expert. I just know that it circumvents the central banks and they don't like it at all. And they seem a little desperate to maintain control and power. In a new moment of what the hell were they thinking, scientists have managed to turn one of the deadliest insects into a vaccine delivery system. A clinical trial for a system meant to use mosquitoes to deliver vaccines has been underway in the United Kingdom. The findings of the trial have been published in Science Translational Medicine. According to the paper, scientists were able to genetically modify parasites. To deliver malaria vaccines through mosquito bites. It's an intriguing proposition to use mosquitoes to deliver vaccines. It sounds horrific on paper and it looks even more horrific when you see the photos featured in the report. That is in the description if you feel like looking at that. Okay, those photos that are in the original report show the results of trial participants being bitten hundreds of times. To get the desired effect of the mosquitoes delivering the vaccine, scientists loaded them with genetically modified parasites known as Plasmodium falciparum. In the past, scientists have tried to do something similar. However, this is the first time CRISPR has been used to accomplish it. The result is basically 1,000 small flying syringes, and based on the photos, it looks exactly like that. One image shows a participant's arm wholly covered in welts from the mosquito bites they suffered. The biggest problem with using mosquitoes to deliver vaccines for malaria is its effectiveness. According to the study's result, 14 of 26 participants who were exposed to malaria contracted the illness. That means the mosquito vaccine delivery system is only around 50% effective. But that doesn't mean it was a failure, it just means that improvements need to be made. It's also important to realize that scientists don't intend to release swarms of genetically modified mosquitoes either. Sure, of course they don't. Instead, they want to use the mosquitoes to deliver vaccines in a more controlled fashion what you how do you, what controlled fashion you want people to come in and get bit by a bunch of mosquitoes rather than just be given a shot in the arm if they're voluntarily there anyway yeah that makes total sense the researcher said that releasing a massive number of these mosquitoes is an intriguing proposition but doing so would raise deep questions about medical consent and bioethics as they couldn't control who was inoculated and exposed hmm Hmm. In today's day and age, with cameras on every corner and people with cell phones, it's hard to believe that there have been five unprovoked murders in the past several months that appear to be the work of one person. That's right. For the first time in a long time, it appears that we have a serial killer. Authorities are searching for a person of interest tied to the five murders, the first of which occurred on July 8th. All of the victims were men, and all of them were alone at the time they were fatally shot. The killings all happened at night or in the early hours of morning. Police released only a few details about the string of murders and when they happened. A 35-year-old man shot at 12.31 a.m. on July 8th. A 43-year-old man shot at 9.49 p.m. on August 11th. A 21-year-old man shot at 6.41 on August 30th a 52-year-old man shot at 4:27 on September 21st and a 54-year-old man fatally shot at 1:53 a.m. on September 27th. All of the victims were ambushed, none were robbed, and none were drug or gang related. Police say that they have physical evidence le- linking the five crime scenes together. The only picture that I saw Of the criminal is awful, mind you. It's like a black silhouette. It's taken from behind. The city of Stockton said it was putting forward a $75,000 reward for information leading to an arrest in the investigation. Stockton Crime Stoppers is posting an additional $10,000 reward. The day after one of the victims' killings, Stockton police had said at a press conference they were not sure if the string of killings were related. Quote, we're still looking at it from a random point of view, but we do see some similarities, the police chief said. We've been provided absolutely zero evidence that leads us to believe that one individual is running rampant in the city of Stockton killing people. But that changed two days later when the department tied the five killings together and released an image of a person of interest. Um, A friend and I had a debate on a podcast that I had um been on that in today's society, it would be nearly impossible to actually be a serial killer, and I can't wait to talk to him about this. well, not that this is cool or anything, but that that I was right um, <clears throat> Excuse me when Americans are imprisoned in other countries, I have mixed feelings about it. obviously, I don't want American citizens to serve unjust sentences without proper legal recourse but I also am less empathetic when they have, in fact, violated the law in another country. Yesterday, it was announced that seven Americans detained in Venezuela have been released. And uh, the statement that Joe Biden gave today, after years of being wrongfully detained in Venezuela, we're bringing home Jorge Toledo, Tomeo Videl, Val- Elirio Zambrano, Jose Luis Zambrano, Jose Pereira, Matthew Heath, and Osman Khan. Five of the individuals were oil executives who were part of the Sitgo 6 group that was jailed in 2017 after being arrested on corruption charges when they were called to the country for a meeting. Earlier this year, Venezuela released the sixth oil executive, Gustavo Cardenas, Secretary of State Anthony Anthony Blinken said Saturday that the release came after extraordinary efforts and perseverance across the State Department and wider U.S. government for many months. Senior administration officials said the Americans were released in exchange for two Venezuelans tie- with ties to President Nicolas Maduro's wife, Efrain Antonio Campo Flores and Frankie or Frankie. Uh, Francisco Flores de Fritas, sometimes referred to as the narco nephews due to their relationship with Maduro's wife, were arrested seven years ago after unsuccessfully attempting to smuggle cocaine into the United States. They'd been sentenced to 18 years in prison until Biden granted them clemency in the exchange. Officials declined to provide specifics on the negotiations when asked if Biden spoke with Maduro directly calling the choice to release the two Venezuelans a painful one. Amid the good news, Biden also noted there are still many families who have uh, members detained overseas, recommitting his administration to bring them home. Biden administration has been under pressure for months to bring home the WNBA star Brittany Greiner and former Marine Paul Whelan both of whom are being detained in Russia. Greiner was arrested in February on drug charges and sentenced to nine years in prison. Whelan has been detained in Russia since December of 2018 on espionage charges that his family says were trumped up. A report released this week by the Foley Foundation, whose namesake James Foley was the journalist who was beheaded by ISIS in 2014, found more foreign governments, including Venezuela and Russia, are wrongfully detaining Americans and that those cases are taking longer to resolve. The report said nearly half of the U.S. nationals still held hostage have been held for more than five years. While the number of U.S. nationals taken hostage has decreased over the last 11 years, many of those cases are not being resolved. It also notes that the number of U.S. nationals who continue to be Wrongfully held by foreign governments has increased by 580% over the last decade. The language wrongfully held is interesting to me. I wonder if we just start talking about all of the wrongfully held people here in the United States. This country imprisons its own citizens with impunity and zeal, the likes of which I've never seen, often over nonviolent crimes like possession of marijuana, and yet, we want to constantly talk about citizens in foreign countries being wrongfully held after they commit crimes. It's odd to me. While the people of Iran are bringing in a revolution, the country of Iran is singing Bitch Better Have My Money as they await the release of $7 billion in funds frozen abroad after they allowed an Iranian-American to leave the country and released his son from detention. Baqer Namazi is... Was permitted. He was 85 years old. He was permitted to leave Iran for medical treatment abroad, and his son, Siamak, was released from detention in Tehran on Saturday. With the finalization of negotiations between Iran and the United States to release the prisoners of both countries, $7 billion of Iran's blocked resources will be released. Queue up those planes with pallets of cash in an unusually obvious case of deja vu. Billions of dollars in Iranian funds have been frozen in a number of countries, notably China, South Korea, and Japan, since the United States reimposed biting sanctions on the Islamic Republic in 2018 after unilaterally withdrawing from Tehran's nuclear deal with world powers. Tehran has accused Seoul of holding $7 billion of its funds hostage, repeatedly calling on South Korean authorities to release it. IRNA said on Sunday that the that Washington is pursuing at the same time the release of its citizens detained in Tehran and the release of Iranian funds in South Korea. The development comes amid on off talks that have been underway since April of 2021 to revive the 2015 deal that gave Iran much-needed relief from sanctions in return for curbs on its nuclear program. Iran has repeatedly called for the lifting of sanctions, as well as guarantees that the U.S. will not again pull out of the revived deal. And the rumor is that Biden has been working closely with Iran, China, and Russia on this deal to prevent a future Congress from being able to do just that. And that is your Monday edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning I hope you guys have a great Monday. I will see you tomorrow. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out ShouseInTheHouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.